It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Try Haven Brand Soil Conditioners, providing generations of gardeners with a truly all-natural alternative to chemical fertilizers with their line of composted manure and alfalfa teas. Easy to brew and use on all indoor and outdoor plants. Find them online at manuretea.com. Hey, garden friends. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Peggy Martin. Perhaps you know her from the fame of the Peggy Martin Rose, the rose that survived Hurricane Katrina. Peggy is the current vice president of the Heritage Rose Foundation, and she joins me today to talk about the work of the foundation. Peggy, it's been way too long since I've seen you. It is wonderful to have you today. So big welcome to Rose Chat. Well, thank you, Teresa. I'm so uh, happy to be here with you and indulge in this this opportunity to tell everyone about the Heritage Rose Foundation and about Old Garden Roses. Great. That's just what we want to hear about. So let's start with sharing with those that might be new to Heritage Roses just what they are. Well, they're very oldest roses. Uh, A lot of them were bred in the 1800s. Some are are old, of course, the Chinas, which came from China. They arrived in Europe in the 1700s. These roses are very, very old, and they're still just going great. I have many of them in my garden, and they're just doing beautifully uh, after all of these, well, a couple of centuries. So it's, it's amazing uh, how strong they are and how healthy and just keep going on. So it's really wonderful to um, indulge in these roses. You'll be so pleased with the way they grow and don't take any care. They're just like any other perennial you grow in your garden. They don't need spraying. In fact, they resent being sprayed uh, with fungicides or pesticides or whatever, and they don't need it. So they're a wonderful addition to your garden. Well, they certainly are. I have a few myself, and I love them so much. But since I've had the pleasure of visiting your garden, I know it's filled to the brim with these charming, fragrant roses. But tell our listeners about some of your favorites. I'm really uh, in love with the bourbons, most of all. Um, Madame Isaac Pereira is my absolute favorite. It's um, a rose from 1881. And um, it's, it's just the fragrance is outstanding. These bourbons have that really old damask fragrance that is just outstanding. And they're so fully petaled. They have the configuration in the bloom itself called quartered, uh, just uh, about 100 petals or so, or some of them are more. Very, very full, gorgeous um, magenta color. And uh, just different colors, and they're also fragrant and just beautiful. Uh, another one is Madame de Sauvigne. It's another, um, a sort of like Madame Isaac. I peg them. I, I do a spider effect in the garden with them. Mm-hmm. Arch them over, and you know when you arch the bloom canes on roses, they bloom all along the canes. So they are a gorgeous addition to the garden. 
Souvenir de la Malmaison, that's 1843, that is spectacular. It's one of the most popular, um, very full petaled, uh, a light, light pink, and just so fragrant. Another favorite I have is Le Vesuve, which is from 1825. And it is a fantastic rose here in the South also. In the hard, hard heat of our summers, they are, it's, this thing is just completely covered in blooms. And I see it, it's right outside my garage along my long bed of climbers against the fence. And this thing is just spectacular. It has dark green leaves similar to what a camellia would be like. So these, these types of leaves on these old roses are impervious to disease. There's no black spot, no problems with them. And to be completely covered in blooms in this heat of the summer is spectacular. Another is Breve d'Or, which is 1869. And it grows huge in New Orleans. I've seen specimens at old New Orleans of the French Quarter and uh, what they call uptown or um, the American Quarter, they used to call it years ago, along uh, St. Charles Avenue, uh, two stories high. Oh, goodness. They, but they've been there for many, many years. In my garden, it gets to the top of my uh, eight-foot fence, but it's mm -hmm. just spectacular. And it starts blooming in January a lot of times. And um, a beautiful, very light uh, yellow rose, very healthy. Napoleon is another great one. Uh, it's a china, and I have it growing in my vitex trees. <laughs> it's growing. To, I'm looking at it right now through the wind. It's around the pool, and it's 10 foot high up into the vitex. And I also have prosperity in each of those vitex trees. Now, the, I promote partnerships with trees. If you have spring blooming trees that only bloom for about two weeks and they're over, these hybrid musk like prosperity do beautifully in a partnership with that tree. They grow up, they seek the sun, they climb to the top and then they spread out and drape over it. It is a sight to see and you get so much more from your trees that you have, so much going on. It's really a beautiful way to use these, these roses. I have uh, Velschenblau is growing up. Um, it, it's an old maple tree that, uh, and it's one of the soft maple trees. It has not um, fared well the last few years, but Velschenblau is, is going to make up for some of its shortcomings. Yes, it does spectacular. I have it growing up a uh, Chinese uh, fringe tree. It, it's a beautiful thing, a lovely, lovely color, which is unusual, um, at almost violet, mm -hmm. or lavender colors. Love it. Another one I saw on your list was Zephyrine Druin. Yes. Is that, is that one of yours? Yes. I have it in the front on two trellises against the uh, stucco walls, the front of my home. And they're just gorgeous. They're beautiful. That they're, they're sort of a... a a magenta color and very fragrant also and thorn, almost thornless so, so they're easy to work with absolutely um i can't even imagine how large it must get for you there in the south um a few weeks ago bill kosmchek did a program for our rose society 
on climbing roses. <clears throat> and Bill grows beautiful climbing roses. But one of the roses he showed us in his garden was Zephyrine covering an entire wall of his house. <laughs> It was spectacular. And he's in Pennsylvania. So he's a little, you know, he is not in the deep south. So Zephyrine, she, she, can, she can take all kinds of weather. Of weather. Yes, they can. They can. Well, Peggy, those sound just beautiful. And to our friends listening, if you're looking for bourbon roses or other heritage roses, there's some places you can check out. High Country Roses, Rose Petal Nursery, and Antique Rose Emporium, to name a few. So maybe those will be um, um, places where you can find these beautiful roses for your garden. And Peggy Bourbons, with their French heritage, they're just perfect for your garden. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the history of them. Not, Not only their perfection and their fragrance, but the beauty of them and, and the ease of growing them is un, unbelievable. Well, you get so much bang for your buck. You know, I'm all about the story, too, and the history. Now, I have quite a few old garden roses, but I'm kind of stuck on the Damox roses. And it has to do with the trip I took to Turkey. They're forever in my heart. And they are, too, very fragrant and hearty and do so well here. So so I'm kind of stuck on the damask. But those bourbon, I had to look up Madame de Savigny, I think is what, how you pronounced it. Madame, and I, Madame de Savigny. Oh, boy. So beautiful. I yeah. found that uh, Rose Petal Nursery does have it. So might oh, have to great. go on my list. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, you just fall in love with them and the stories, you know, just get kind of get caught up in the stories. And when they're beautiful, too. Well, that's just a bonus. Now, I I follow the work of the Heritage Rose Foundation, and it is a very, very active group. So tell us about the foundation. Okay, it was originally incorporated nonprofit um, in North Carolina in uh, November of 1986 by Charles Walker and other Rosarians at that time. And then it sort of kind of uh, went a little quiet. Of course, a lot of these people had gotten older and whatever. But uh, Mike Shoup was in charge of incorporating again in Texas, in the state of Texas. And uh, Mike Shoup, of course, is the owner of Antique Rose Emporium. So that was in August of uh, 2002, and Mike was the president, and Dr. Malcolm Manners, a lot of you Rosarians know him uh, from uh, Florida Southern uh, College, he, um, he was the secretary, and then Claude Graves from Texas was the treasurer. But it was organized originally for charitable, educational, and scientific purposes, but we also... Um, dedicate money and donate money for worthwhile causes for our absolute purpose of uh, keeping these roses in, in commerce and keeping them going to preserve them all over, not in, just in the United States, but in Europe. And we have board members that are in Europe, uh, France, Italy, um, different, different countries uh, a lot of our uh, members are international. Bermuda is a big, big mm-hmm. organization that is involved with uh, Heritage Rose Foundation. And in fact, uh, Marika, she is a, a board member also from uh, Bermuda. 
But our purpose, too, is just really to preserve roses. We all love roses. A lot of us, many, many of us grow roses. Some exhibit, show roses. But what do we do to preserve roses? And that's our mission. That is what we're all about. And all roses all over the world. So this is, this is our, our, our purpose. Well, you're doing great work. I mean, this is a very busy group. When you see who started it um, and who's on the board, you know why. It's a very busy group. These guys just don't mess around. So they're serious about this. So let's just go to some of the projects that you're currently working on. Okay. We have been asked to um, design, not so much design, but to pick the roses, the old garden roses, For the fourth, they call it the fourth circle, and this is in the Great Restoration uh, Garden Project headed up by Marilyn Wellen at the American Rose Center in Shreveport. Now, it works from the moderns on down. It's telling the history of the rose through the roses themselves. So this big fourth circle is one that we, Heritage Rose Foundation, and in particular, there's uh, two other ladies on the commission to pick the roses uh, with myself. It's uh, Anita Clevenger and Pam Smith. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much have um, our list of roses and are obtaining them to start planting. And this, this is a big, big project, a lot, a lot of oak on roses. But we're picking what we think are the best of the best to really, really get people involved. When they see them, they smell them, they, we want them to be blown away by them and how easy they are to grow and different aspects of their each individual characteristics because you go from the mini roulette all the way to huge, huge, big climbers. Uh, it's just every and every size in between. So any area you have in your garden there is a place for an old garden rose. There are just many, many sizes of them. So this is one part of the project that we're doing at the American Rose Center. The second part is Heritage Rose Foundation has donated $10,000 to this project for the Ann Belovich uh, collection of Ramblers. And that is going to be designed and, and helped along with uh, by Stephen Scaniello, our president. There are tall towers that have been used at the Chambersville Garden in Texas, which is sort of uh, in a precarious position. So this is why we're so involved and why we're so strongly uh, wanting to get this done to protect Ann Belovich's Uh, 300 and so ramblers, the largest collection of ramblers in the United States. And we have all the the cuttings that have been rooted to transfer. About half of them are over there at the garden right now in a nursery section waiting for the areas. A few areas have to be cleared, but they're going to be all through the garden there on tall towers. And they are just absolutely spectacular. So we're really proud of doing this project also. 
Oh, these roses are amazing. The towers that they're on are so well done. And there's even more to the story. Anne herself, Anne uh, Melovich herself, was also an amazing woman. If you're familiar with Erin Bizentkane of Florent Flowers, she's recently written a four-part series about an interview she did with Anne last summer, just before Anne passed away at the age of 97. Erin says of this interview, this wonderful interview with Anne will leave you in tears. She was one of the most inspiring women I have ever met. So friends, you can find that interview at floorflowers.com. And Erin herself collects heritage roses. So I've read the interview. It is fantastic and will impress you. And so will her roses. I am so glad they're going to be at the American Rose Center in what I believe will truly become America's Rose Garden. Now, you're also helping with Rose Rosette research, so tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, two years ago, uh, Heritage Rose Foundation donated $15,000 to um, the research to combat Rose Rosette disease, and that's with Dr. Um, Winham at um, the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. They have a big research uh, project going on there trying to find the cure to helping preserve these roses. As you know, so many roses all through Texas and all through the upper part of the country where it's, it's very, very prominent um, have been destroyed, have been lost. So we're just really fortunate down here in Louisiana. It has not come down to the really far South where I am. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But it's prevalent across all the midsection of the United States and just, Thousands upon thousands of roses have been lost. So we're really proud to have been able to do this large donation to this very important project for the livelihood of roses all across this country. Um, it is just a, a horrible, horrible disease spread by these tiny mites, and we need to get control of it. So we're really, as I said, very proud to have been involved and being able to give such a nice donation to keep that research going. Absolutely. It's research that we certainly need in the Rose community because um, I myself have had to dig a few roses out and destroy them because of Rose Rosette. And you just don't want to do that on a great scale. We want to get this thing controlled. So um We've just seen some devastation in certain areas of our country, and and we want that to stop for sure. Now, um, let's talk a little bit more about how to become a member of the foundation. So if if we've got people listening and they'd like to to join this group, so how would they do that, Peggy? Well, they can go on to our website, which is heritagerosefoundation.org, all lowercase, And on there, there are just different areas you can go to, but there's a section of join and you're able to select, uh, we charge $35 a year for um, a regular individual and $25 a year for seniors. And um, join that way, or you can send in a check for the amount of whatever uh, membership you need to a Heritage Rose Foundation, Post Office Box, 
1719, and that's in Gonzales, Louisiana, and the zip is 70707-1719. And that, that way I'll have your information and set you up as a membership. Now, the thing about the, the membership is we're helping to preserve roses everywhere, all across the world. And also, you're going to get information. A, a latest newsletter is available. If you go to the website, it is available there now. It was done in January, and we've had raving reviews on it. And just so many uh, people have sent in memberships because of it. And the next is coming out in April. So this, is, this helps you to learn a lot more about the roses and about what's going on in our country and others uh, that, that's being done to preserve roses and gardens, restoration projects. But um, preservation gardens are so important, too, across the country. It's so true. And and um, there's also a video there that was taken of the members meeting. I was a part of that and it was an outstanding meeting. And you learn so much about what this organization does by um, by these um, the newsletter and by um, the Zoom meeting um, recording that's there. So so do take a look at um, the website and it's simple heritagerosefoundation.org. So thanks, Peggy, for that information. Now, I want to switch gears just a little bit, and let's talk about the Peggy Martin Rose. After all, you are Peggy Martin, and we want to get things firsthand. And just in case there's people listening today that that don't know about the Peggy Martin Rose story, so go back and tell us about this experience that you had when uh, Katrina hit your area. Well, Pre-Katrina, uh, we built a house in 1974, and I started collecting flowers all around the house. And we lived in Plaquemines Parish at the, almost the end of the highway on the East Bank side. That's in the boot of Louisiana, very, very close to the Gulf, and marsh water surrounded us everywhere, and we were on the Mississippi River Road. Well, that collection evolved where I had 450 antique roses alone in that garden over those years, and many, many other types of plants. I just love plants, um, irises, daylilies, just azaleas, camellias, just everything you can think of that grows. In the, It was a semi-tropical area down there. Mm-hmm. Hardly ever got freezes. I can remember three years in a row, we didn't even get to 32 degrees, and I was ecstatic. <laughs> but <laughs> Katrina happened, and... It was devastating in many ways. You've heard the story of of it before. You know that I lost my parents, both of them. And uh, we lost their home, our home, everything, everything we all own. But their loss was just so, so tragic for me. And losing everything, it looked like Hiroshima, except for the Peggy Martin Rose And it was still growing on that shed that uh, it was 40 feet across and 30 feet back because I had had it since 1989. And when I walked there the first time to view all the devastation or whatever, you can imagine the emotional turmoil I was in. 
but I happened to glance at that shed and I saw this thing still living, dark green canes all over. Now, the water stayed there, it was trapped in our, le- our bowl-like effect at that, in our area, uh, back levee levees and the Mississippi River levee. So it filled it up like a bowl. It went over all those 20-foot levees. It was trapped in there for two weeks before they bulldozed the back levee to let it start draining. Plus, it had 150 mile an hour winds. So it was defoliated. It has no no foliage on it because of being submerged in pure salt water and the wind beforehand. But I could see the little nodules coming out with green growth. And I just stopped and I was in shock. And I said, dear God, how is this still living? And then I just knew in my heart that this was a gift to me because from my parents, uh, they knew what I was going through. They knew what I was going through. And I know in my heart and I keep it there. That is, is a gift to me from them and the dear Lord also. So then it evolved that uh, people in the Rose World learned what happened. And a lot of them had been to visit my garden. They had seen the garden. I would get people to come down to try to identify the Peggy Martin Rose. It was the highlight of all my garden tours every year because it was just spectacular, just smothered in blooms. So none of them ever saw uh, that they could identify it. They had never seen it before. Uh, Stephen Scaniello and Dr. William Welch and Mike Shoup and even Pat Tulin from Australia came to speak to our New Orleans group and uh, got her to come down. And Viru and um, Garija Viragavan from India mm-hmm. even came to my home. Mm-hmm. And none of these experts had ever seen it. They didn't know what it was. I'm still on the search to find out exactly what it is. But Dr. Welch took some cuttings back to Texas with him, and he had it growing. And he told me, even before Katrina, Peggy, this rose is so great that it just needs to be in commerce. Can you find out any of the history of it? And I told him (laughs) at that time, I said, Dr. Welch, when I was giving the cutting, it came from the what we call the uptown section across from the French Quarter, Uh, St. Charles Avenue and all of that uh, uh, area where these big, gorgeous homes are. And it was given to this woman uh, by her family, but they didn't know the name of it either. And then she just grew it on and she gave it to her daughter, who gave me the cuttings because she knew I love roses. Now, all of those people are gone, but there was never a name attached to it. Some people say, oh, it's it's uh, seven sisters, but we know positively it's not. It's Peggy Martin is thornless, and seven sisters has thorns. Seven sisters needs a slight cold period to even bloom, and Peggy Martin loves the cold. So it, it's just uh, nowhere near, and it's different types of blooms. Seven sisters blooms in clusters of bigger roses, then they turn uh, different colors, which is why it was named such. And Peggy Martin is in nosegays of little bitty blooms, but just smothered, smothered in in roses. So it went on, and and then Dr. Welch uh, was, he had 
gone to Southern Living to do an article, and he was in Birmingham. He had lunch at a restaurant. It's so ironic. And he heard the people at the two adjoining tables talking about Plaquemines Parish. And he got up and he went over and he said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I heard you say Plaquemines Parish. He said, can I ask you um, if you know the family of Peggy Martin? And they said, yes, we do. We know them very well. And he said, well, how did they fare? And they said, it's terrible. Uh, Her parents perished. And uh, we don't know where she's at. We know she evacuated. And uh, he was just blown away by that. And so he got in contact with me through my son's email. And I was able to call and talk to him. And he said, Peggy, is it true what I heard? And I said, yes, yes, it is, Dr. Welch. And I said, he said, in the garden, I said, it's all gone, Dr. Welch. I said, it's all gone. I said, but would you believe the Peggy Martin (laughs) or the Rose, my Rose, that climber that you're so interested in, I said, survived. It's the only thing. It's just horrible looking. The garden is just totally devastated and gone. Everything's dead but that Rose. And he was astounded when he heard that. (laughs) So then a couple of days later, he calls me back and he says that the Garden um, Clubs of America are starting a restoration fund for the uh, New Orleans area, the Gulf Coast, and Beaumont, Texas, that were devastated by Katrina and Rita. And he said they want to um, use a um, plant, your plant, for a um, restoration sale. And he said, would I have your permission to name it Peggy Martin? And Mm -hmm. I said, of course, of course. So Houston, the Houston Garden of America Club was spearheading that and was collecting the funds. So they got together with Antique Rose Emporium, Petals from the Past in Alabama, and um, Shambly's Nursery um, in Texas also. And they were selling the Peggy Martin Rose and collecting a dollar per rose. And it collected thousands of dollars, which were divided into those three things, New Orleans, Gulf Coast, and Beaumont, Texas. So there's a, if you want to, to read more about the Peggy Martin Rose, there's a lot on Google. Just put Peggy Martin Rose in and you'll see a lot of information on it. Peggy, this is really a story for the ages, and it's something beautiful coming out of something so horrible. And I'm pleased to say that the Rose has no better representative than you, a beautiful person (laughs) who's weathered a horrible loss, but you came out of it with strength and grace and a commitment to give back to others, and I applaud you for that. And I'm pleased to say I have several Peggy Martins in my Zone 5B garden. We are Wide aways from Louisiana, but some are being used as living fences, but two adorn arbors and they are showstoppers. So it's always good time to have uh, an open garden when the Peggy Martins are in bloom. So they're hard to miss. And I checked this morning and they are for sale at Shambly's right now. Usually Antique Rose Emporium has them, but they're out right now, but I'm sure they'll be back in soon. So listeners, if you'd like a Peggy Martin Rose, you can find them there. 
And Peggy, now this story has been made into a children's book. So tell us about the new book. Oh, I just love it. Uh, The two authors, Carol and Carol Stubbs and Nancy Rust, they had approached me right after Katrina, where, where I'm living now in Gonzales, Louisiana. That's where we evacuated to. We had nothing to go back to, so we stayed here. I had a, a dear aunt, and that's where we evacuated to her home. And we just stayed here and bought a home here. Well, they were with the Acadiana Lifestyle Magazine, and so they contacted me and wanted to come and view what roses I had already started collecting um, after Katrina and um, take pictures and whatever. And they did. They wrote stories. In fact, a number of different stories. Uh, as And I, I do have to say, when you're going through something tragic like this, I just said at the time, I will never grow roses again. I, I just won't garden. It's too painful to lose everything. People started bringing me roses. People in the New Orleans Garden Rose Society brought me. A, my first rose came from Margaret Garnier, uh, New oh. Orleans Rose Society, and it was Sylvania de la Malmaison. Oh. She said, "Peggy, you need to grow roses," and she was very correct because it's the most therapeutic thing you can do. It mm-hmm. just revived me. It just made me want to go on living and and gardening and just in enjoyment. So by the time this first home was a small new home, it just got finished in the November of 2005. We moved in from my aunt's house. And uh, by the time I left, I had 170 roses people had (laughs) given me. And so I had planted them all around. I was running out of room, but I had planted them all around there. But we decided, my husband and I, we needed a bigger home and we needed a bigger yard and lot so we we moved <laughs> we moved about eight miles away to a new subdivision it had an acre and a half lot so it's been wonderful <laughs> and would you believe i i transferred those roses we dug them up truckloads at a time oh, goodness. and brought them <laughs> and planted them i knew exactly where i wanted peggy martin to go because it's a big raw a black wrought iron fence with gates to go into the driveway. And that Peggy Martin is on that side of the, the driveway um, to the, the fence that I have all the climbers along longitude from that entrance. And uh, it's done a spectacular job, uh, 20 something feet across and just beautifully covering that whole entire fence and structure. So I moved those roses and you can do it. You can do a hundred and something roses. Now, some of the ones that only bloom once uh, and were very very large, I donated to the Homeless House, which is a plantation, an antique plantation here, uh, three miles from my home. And it has a huge, extensive garden. It's just gorgeous. So I donated some of those there. But we moved all those roses. And I can tell you, I only lost one. And I think... (laughs) It was because it was lost in the shuffle and it must have got buried because it wasn't that big, but it didn't die. So none of them died. A hundred and something roses being moved in the spring and then the last were moved in May and they still survived, all of them. 
Um, it's just a beautiful story, and and I'm so glad that they've made it into a children's book, and it is told so beautifully with dragonflies and bees and frogs that get to hear about the Peggy Martin story. It, it's gorgeously illustrated, too. It's just what I envisioned, the colors. The illustrator did a fantastic job, but Nancy and, and Carol just did a beautiful, a beautiful story. And what I love about it is that it will teach children about gardening and uh, get them involved and also into roses. Uh, it's just I'm so proud of it. It's just a beautiful book. So well done. And it's doing very, very well also. You can find it uh, at Amazon, mm-hmm. Target, I believe, also um, Barnes and Nobles, and I'm sure maybe some other bookstores. But it's a beautiful thing. I'll tell you really quickly a story that just touched my heart and brought me to tears. I gave a, a copy to my, my adopted daughter, and she has a relative that her son, her five-year-old son, is so involved in gardening. It's just incredible for a child this young. So she brought the book to him. He, his mother read it to him, and she sent me a picture on my text on my phone. Um, he was crying because he said, Mama, all the roses died in that storm. And he's crying, and there are tears running down his face. Well, I started crying, too, when she sent that to me. But it touched him, this child. He touched him, and he was just ecstatic. And he said, Mama, can can we please ask Santa Claus to, to bring me a this book or Peggy Martin Rose, not the book, but the Peggy Martin Rose for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, Peggy, I love this. In our enthusiasm, friends, I don't think we even told the name of the book. It's called The Rose Without a Name. So it's just perfectly done. And I can't wait to read it to my grand boys when we're together. Um, It also includes facts about hurricanes, which is great for the kids to know. And it has a page of facts about roses. So there's so much to learn um, in this book for children. And it's just right down their alley. It, It speaks directly to them. Absolutely. And I think it also promotes organic gardening, which I've done for all of my years of gardening since 1974. I was determined to start that way and to continue, and I still do it to this day. Strictly organic gardening, especially with old roses. There's no need to use any um, pesticides or fungicides or chemicals or whatever. So it's a very, very safe, safe way to garden. It is. And and these roses, uh, a lot of them um, will actually perform poorly if you try giving them too many sprays. They just don't like it. (laughs) No, they resent it. They really do. (laughs) They do. They do indeed. Well, Peggy, it's been such a pleasure to be with you today. And on behalf of Rose Lovers Everywhere, I want to thank you and the foundation for the wonderful work that's being done in the world of roses in preservation and helping us with Rose Rosette and in all the beauty that is going to be represented at America's Rose Garden in Shreveport. So friends, we're so glad you joined us today. And do check out the Heritage Rose Foundation website for the latest newsletter and anything new that's going on. It is a super way to see what this group is all about. And as we talked about, the website is easy, heritagerosefoundation.org. 
Peggy, have a wonderful day. We're so glad you were with us. Oh, thank you so much, Teresa. I have enjoyed it, sweetheart. <laughs> thank you. Well, friends, until next time, happy gardening from your friends at Rose Chat. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.